Uh, let's uh, start our, our new season, our new year, uh, asking the Lord's guidance on what we do here. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for bringing all of us back um, safely um, home from our travels. Thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us this previous year. Thank you for the newness that is at hand. Uh, I ask that you would take this time, that you would open our eyes anew to who you are, um, to the revolutionary life of Christ, and how his life needs to look in our lives. I thank you for this day. We praise you for the gift of life. We praise you for the gift of community and fellowship, and we praise you for the gift of your presence. I pray this in the name of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. As we're continuing looking at Christ in this uh, uh, revolution, as we look at this revolutionizing uh, God-man, who came to live among us. One of the things that's really striking uh, to me about him is, is the polar opposites that he was. The polar opposites that came together uh, in his life. He was lion and lamb. He was shepherd and lamb. Uh, suffering servant, yet king. Uh, the high priest who offers the sacrifice and the one who is the sacrifice. Um, he brought both peace and a sword. So he pulled together, they're, they're converged in his life, um, these divergent aspects, these divergent forces. And I think what that, uh, that s uh, portends for us is that in us, he seeks to bring together the competing um, influences in our life, the competing contradictory elements that we are. And so he reconciles what appears to be contradictory elements. He reconciled that in his own life, bringing those opposites, those opposing um, understandings together into one. And he does the same with us. Uh, he does that as mediator. Uh, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that Christ was not only mediator that stood between man and God, but he is the mediator in all of life, and he stands between us and the events that happen in our life. He stands between us and our relationships, all relationships that we have. He mediates. He, we go through him to them. Bonhoeffer says, we no longer have any direct relationships anymore, you and I, once we've accepted Christ as our Savior, because he is what we go through 
he is the, the medium through which we go in relationships. So between husband and wife, between parent and child, we go in those relationships and connect in those relationships through him. So he mediates the divergence, the divergent elements in, in our relationships. And sometimes that's the only way marriages will work. Because usually we marry opposites. Usually we, we relate in relationships with opposites. And you think, well, how does that happen? How did this happen? Maybe it happened so that the mediator could be in full force here. That Christ can bring together in our interpersonal relationships opposites making them one. Uh, Ephesians 2 kind of speaks to that. In Ephesians 2, he is um, talking about the, um, the Gentiles and the Jews. And um, I'm trying to see where I want to uh, best start to give us the best lead-in. I'll just start with verse 8. I'm, I'm, I'm going f about four verses as lead-in here, but I think it's a good place to start in Ephesians 2. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens, from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. And he's speaking to those who had no context in their lives of covenant with God, who had no frame of reference for God's laws and God's ways, completely outside the, the activity of God among men up until this the time of Christ, having no promise, no hope. But verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made near by the blood of Christ. That's that mediation, that's that reconciliation. For he is our peace, who has made both both Jew and Gentile, that's what he's talking about here, has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. The natural oppositions, the natural separations he has broken down, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the friction, the, the contrary relationship. Even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. For to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace. To bring two opposing p 
peoples together and making of two peoples one. That's the picture of this reconciling Christ who brings two divergent peoples, forces, opinions, through him mediating how we see life, mediating how we see each other, us going through him to our husbands and wives, us going through him to our children and our parents, us going through him to all relationships. He can bring together those who appear to be irreconcilable opposites and reconcile them into one. So this same writer Paul in 2 um, Corinthians 4 and 5 speaks of this ministry. Turn over there for just a moment to 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 1. We have this ministry. As we have received uh, mercy, we faint not. And you think, well, what is this ministry that he's talking about? Well, chapter 5 identifies the ministry. Verse 18. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So what he has done in us and through us and for us, uh, he now asks us to be and do. So what we see then is glimpses of something really extraordinary in its effect on you and me and how we live. And its effect on you and me and how we deal with others, with how we deal with crises and difficulties. Um, because we see Christ playing this out in real life. I mean, we have the theoretical, theological concept laid out here by Paul, but it is in the life of Christ that we see this being lived out and uh, out and, and worked through. We see Christ mediating and reconciling. When Peter cut off the ear of the soldier, Christ stood between Peter and the soldier. And he picked up the ear and he put the ear back on the soldier. He mediated something different. He transformed. This idea of reconciliation is a transformational thing. It has to do with transformation. It has to do with taking two ingredients and baking them in the oven of his power and his will and making something brand new out of it. So he mediated that, that rash action uh, by Peter. Uh, he transformed water to wine and wine to blood and communion. Uh, taking bread and wine and transforming it in some fashion into his flesh and blood. Whether that was literal or not, it was still transformative. 
he transformed bondage into freedom. He transformed hum flesh, human nature, flesh into spirit. By a simple act of our free will receiving him, he transformed our flesh nature into spirit nature. He changed our nature. And we didn't even know it. You see, in uh, Luke 12, uh, 33, I think it's 12, it may be 13. Um, uh, Matthew 13:33 and Luke 13:21 he likens the kingdom to yeast to leaven now leaven normally is represents sin and and there are some you know mystical uh, excursions we could take to what he meant by uh, likening the kingdom of heaven in in Matthew 13 and Luke 12 um, to uh, leaven, but one of the things I think is clear, he says, the kingdom of heaven, well, let me just read it, uh, instead of paraphrasing it, uh, in Matthew um, 13, and it's the same in, in Luke. Another parable he's spoken to them, the kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, to yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, <coughs> till the whole was leavened. He is likening his work, the kingdom of heaven work here on earth, as a hidden thing, as yeast hidden in bread. And you just roll that bread into a loaf, and you just wait. And an hour, three hours later, that loaf is risen up and doubled. There's a waiting process for the yeast to work. The yeast is hidden. So his transforming work on earth among men within us is a hidden thing. The lepers were not healed immediately. As they walked, they were healed. Now, some people were healed immediately. But there was a lot that was done in the, it, in the King James says, in the self-same hour, she, he was healed. There is this work of God in us that only faith will reveal. Only faith will embrace until the real work of the leaven, of the yeast, the hidden rising agent is revealed. We have only faith to tell us that it is, it is so. But we see some of this played out uh, in, in the life of Christ. Uh, the waiting, but the also the, the mediating, the transforming uh, element, not only in his healing uh, that we've already talked about and that we know about with the lepers and, and the blind and, and others, <coughs> he mediated uh, for the poor. He defended the outcast against the Pharisees and against the ones who had. He gave voice to the voiceless. 
That was his mediating work. That was his reconciling work. He transformed, here's another one of these, one of his greatest miracles that probably a lot of people miss. He transformed the five loaves and the two fish as they went. As they broke, it was blessed and multiplied. As they handed it out, they just continued dispensing it. And you kind of wonder, what did that look like? It just kept coming. Uh, so even in that, gr one of the greatest of his miracles, it was almost a hidden thing. Uh, probably many of the people that sat in the, the, the rim, the perimeter, the periphery, didn't recognize the miracle. And, and I'm wondering how long it took before the disciples were recognizing what was really going on. It was sort of a hidden thing, but it was transformational. It transformed uh, food into miracle. Um, the common into the supernatural. So these are just some of the things that we see in Christ as mediator. When, when, when uh, Peter jumped out of the boat onto the stormy waters and he began to sink, Christ didn't rush to his side. He just simply diminished, ab ab abolished the distance between him and Peter. Uh, he mediated he between Peter and the sinking and the waves. And so, what does all of this mean? Um, in this Christ that we follow who brings together crisis, uh, conflict, and peace. Who brings together opposites in people and makes them one. Who does miraculous things in very subtle ways at times. Um, you know, in, in Luke 12, 49, he said, I have come to send fire on the earth. You think that I've come to send peace? I've come to bring a sword. Now, he came for peace as well, but he came to send fire on the earth. Look for a moment at what fire does, what heat does. It takes batter, and you heat it in the oven, and it creates a cake. You apply fire or heat to water, liquid, and it creates a gas. You apply heat to something, and it changes it. It changes it into something really new, something really different. And he says there, you know, I have come to bring fire. You, you apply fire to the dough, and it creates a loaf of bread. From a sticky substance that gets all over your hands, if you don't use a bread maker, uh, into uh, something that's completely different. 
And so we are told that he makes all things new. And this idea of him, even within himself, being both lamb and lion, both high priest and sacri a sacrifice, both. Um, suggests to us an activity that he is so wanting to create and to accomplish in us. So what might that look like? If we really do embrace him as mediator in all that happens, in, in all of our life, that he stands between each of us individually and whatever else is going on, whoever else is in our life, he, we pass through him or it passes through him. Then what that looks like is whatever difficulty or crisis you're going through, if you, instead of carrying the weight of that burden on your shoulders, praying, Lord, help me. <laughs> help me get through this. Give me the right attitude. Lord, give me the faith. And I truly do see him as the one who is the transformer, the reconciler here, the yeast hidden. And I give whatever this burden is to him by faith, trusting he will transform it. He will change it. He will bring his fire to it. Then I can, but knowing that it'll probably be hidden, a hidden work for a while. And it's not, and, and I'm not trying to get in my own mind how that's going to look. I mean, that will never work, folks just, you know, from personal experience, how I thought it would look, whatever the it was that God was going to do, has never, ever, ever looked the way I thought it was going to look. So don't go there. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes, my <laughs> years of figure, trying to figure God out. Uh, it won't look the way you think it will look. He transformed the cross, but it didn't look the way the disciples thought it would look. Peter's night of bitter weeping was transformed into a night of renewed dreams and hopes on the Sea of Gennesaret. But it didn't look the way Peter wanted it to look. Peter didn't want the night of bitter weeping. He would have, he would have opted out of that evening. But what that evening was about was transforming Peter's failures into the very thing, the very base ingredient that Christ needed for his purposes to be fulfilled in Peter's life. You see, this transforming, transformational being who mediates and reconciles all the opposing elements into one, 
transforms our failures into success. Transforms our failures, takes them, and rewads them, <laughs> and remolds and refashions them into exactly what he needed to do in your life what he chooses to do, what you are destined to become. He takes our weaknesses and transforms them into his strength. 2 Corinthians 12, when I am weak, then I am strong. And it is in my weakness, Paul says, that God's power is perfected and completed. Therefore, I glory in my weaknesses. You see, that is, that is this reconciling transformational being taking the worst of us and making it into the best of us. So it means that you and I do not have to wallow in our failures. That means that the minute we confess, our sin has been transformed into righteousness. Woohoo! That is mind-boggling. But that's what this mediating, reconciling, transformational God is about in you. He transforms our sin into righteousness if we confess it. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and what else? To cleanse us of all unrighteousness. What he requires of you and me is the faith and the contrition or humility to confess. The minute I acknowledge my sin, my sin is transformed into righteousness. My weakness becomes his power. The minute I realize, Lord, I can't do this. You know, I, I can't love that person or I, I don't even know if I can even bear up under what is going on in my family. I, I, you and I don't have to. If we can take what is going on in family or going on in whatever, in, in financial uh, circumstances or other relational circumstances, and in prayer see ourselves truly giving that to God, in the faith that when he takes it, the yeast begins to rise. The yeast begins to work. And you walk by faith not seeing any results for a while, maybe. But you walk by faith knowing he is making all things new. That newness won't look the way we would script it. But he, is, he has the capacity to transform what is going on either in me or in the circumstances or in the other person. And he'll rewire it in some fashion so that down the road, and it may be a year or two or three down the road, you can see redemption of some sort. That this fire, this oven, this holy oven, has baked up something new. And it may be in you. It may be in your faith. 
but it may be also in redemption in the other person. So that's, there's a real practical thing here. If we catch this, it frees us. It frees us from groaning under the weight of great issues in our lives. It doesn't mean that we still don't have grief about them. Uh, what it means is found in 2 Corinthians 4. We'll go back to that. It doesn't mean freedom from so much as it means freedom within. In 2 Corinthians 4, I'll start with verse 5 as lead-in. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. Verse 6, For God commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. You know, he, he has entered into the darkness of our own soul. And his light doesn't shine from a distance on us like a spotlight or like a flashlight. His light goes into our heart and then shines forth from our heart out. For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. When we are weak, he is strong. We are, and here is the nature of our journey here. We're not freed from the struggles, but <coughs> seeing Christ <coughs> as this transforming yeast in our lives, hidden in our lives, working to transform water into wine as surely as he transformed wine into blood, bread into flesh. That kind of power now receives your burdens if by faith you give them to him. If by faith you really realize he can do this. And I don't have to worry I don't have to be destroyed in the burden of that worry. It, the struggle is still there in some fashion, but not in the same way. Look what it says here. Um, in verse 8, we are troubled on every side. Okay, the trouble is still there, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, confused, baffled. We walk in a fog. We will still walk in a fog. It's just a fog of faith. <laughs> there's a fog of war and there's a fog of faith. But not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. <coughs> Cast down, but not destroyed. This transformational servant of ours that lives in us as king, um, does not remove us from the human experience. Does not remove us from 
earth's wind. He prayed in John 17, I pray not that you remove them from this world, not that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them in it and save from the evil one. So the storms are still going to blow in our lives. The winds are going to be contrary winds. Often in this world, in this world, you will have tribulation, John 16, 33. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Not, I have ferreted you out and removed you from it, and you're now in an ivory tower, cloistered away from all pain and suffering. Not that. I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And I'm with you as overcomer. Give to me the things you cannot carry. Give to me the things that weigh you down. And let me put them in the oven of my own will and my own purposes. And bake up a new loaf. Create something new here. Trust me on that. And if we do trust him on that, he doesn't take away these points of struggle, uh, of, of burden, of fear and anxiety in the sense of events that are going on in your life or in your family's life or in your financial circumstances. He doesn't necessarily take those away, but he works in the hidden recesses of your loved ones, of those circumstances to create something new, to bring two opposing forces together into a new loaf, to work something very redemptive out of something very difficult and very painful. So you'll be cast down at times, but not destroyed. You'll be perplexed, but not in despair. He still allows our humanity to be upon us. He affirms the human journey. But he does it with a divine yeast tucked away in that humanity of ours, creating something supernatural, something extraordinary if we will have the faith to give to him that burden, that treasure, and know he will do something with it. He'll mediate it. He'll reconcile. He'll transform something here. Here's the dough. We all have plenty of dough going on in our lives. None of us has an oven that will transform that dough into what it needs to be. Only the Lord does. And it is by faith that you and I can take these things in our lives and trust him with it and wait until the hidden yeast shows itself in a finished product, in something new. Let's pray. ask that you just think for a moment of those things in your life that weigh you down and burden you.
can you see Christ as mediator standing between you and it? Can you see, her, see him as transformer? And by faith offer to him. that struggle, that burden. Knowing that you'll still feel some weight here of it. Some upset here with it. But undergirding that, you can know that he is at work in hidden ways. And he will mediate and reconcile and transform what is needful if you walk faithful in him to that hope. Take a moment perhaps to give whatever that is to him in this way. let him have it put it in his oven and bake it for a while Father thank you that you do not remove us but you walk with us in this place. Thank you that you do not diminish the human experience in us, but show us how to be most fully alive in our humanity. Empower us to most fully celebrate our experience here. and to grow our faith so that we can believe in you as transformer, making all things new. Help us to give you those things that are needful of your yeast that need to rise and be changed. Help us to have the faith to believe it is so. I pray these things in the name of Christ, our Lord, our Redeemer, our Reconciler. Amen.